This is Abacus. I'm Bob, the CPA. One of the most daunting parts of any job search is the interviews. After all, interviewing is a skill set that you've never been taught and you hardly ever use. Yet, you're supposed to be great at it if you want the job. It's a stressful situation that leaves the best of us feeling overwhelmed. That's why I've asked interview coach Margaret Bu to come on the show and help demystify the process. I'm an interview coach who helps professionals to get hired, promoted, and paid more. She'll tell you about the worst interviewing myths that keep people like you from landing the job, the best way to prepare for an interview, and you'll get to hear about one of the worst interviews she's ever seen. And then, in today's coaching note, I'll tell you about a free way to avoid the biggest accounting resume mistakes. All this coming up on Abacus. Let's go. Learn everything you need to know to have a successful and fulfilling accounting career. Whether you're on the partner track or you're making your own path, this is Abacus. All right, well, let's get into it. Margaret, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So the first question is, how would you describe yourself in one or two sentences? Okay, um, I would say I'm an interview coach who helps professionals to get hired, promoted, and paid more. And what is your background with, uh, or your experience in interviewing? Um, okay, so quite an extensive one. I have um, about 11 years of international recruitment experience. I've spent 11 years in recruitment in total. Um, I spent the first few years recruiting for technology companies such as Microsoft, VMware, Business Objects, um, or Tipco Software. Um, recruiting for different positions in sales and marketing, technology, finance, HR, really across the board. Um, for more junior positions up to VP level, um, and truly across um, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So I think in Europe, I must have worked on at least one position in, I think, every country in Europe, <laughs> or most countries in Europe. Um, I've done um, quite a bit of recruitment in the U.S. Actually, when I um, worked for Expedia, I filled, I don't know, 10, 15 positions um, in Seattle. One was in New York as well. Um, and in some of my previous jobs, I've done some recruitment in the Middle East and, and some in Africa as well. Um, but obviously, Europe is where I do most of the recruitment. So, um, you know, UK and Germany and, and France. But I still recruit in the US. Um, I, I'm a head of recruitment also at Yieldify. So I'm currently doing quite a bit of recruitment for our office in New York. Wonderful. And do you have any history of working with accounting and finance professionals? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I started my career in recruitment, actually, my first ever job was a recruitment agency specializing in um, accounting and, and finance positions. So I've recruited for a number of positions, including, you know, accounts payable and finance manager and finance analyst, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I've also recruited for these positions at Expedia. So again, I have pretty extensive experience of recruiting for finance analysts, finance managers, finance directors, but also as an interview coach, I've worked with, you know, people at all levels. I've worked with hedge fund guys and asset management guys. Wonderful. I like to get that out of the way first so everybody can understand that you know what you're talking about and just sit back and listen to the advice for the rest of the show. So thank you for that. One of the hardest things about interviewing is that so much of the process is out of your control. It's frustrating to spend so much time preparing only to have fate kick you to the curb. But Margaret tells me this is completely normal. And so jumping into the actual interview process, I think like a lot of things in life interviewing, there's a lot of things you can't control in the process. Are there any examples you have of that and how you should handle them when you're going into an interview? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the only thing you can control is how you come come across. Like you can you you have to you know, you, ha- you can do your best, but the rest is completely beyond your control. You know, I'm sure you've had that experience, or you've had someone who had an experience of doing a fantastic interview, and you still won't get the job because maybe there was someone with slightly more relevant experience, or there was another candidate who maybe has been recommended by someone internally. So, and you know, and sometimes the hiring manager might have unrealistic expectations. You know, sometimes you're looking for a perfect person that unicorn who <laughs> might not exist or, you know, they might be looking for like exact copy of the person that they're replacing. But to be honest, if that happens, all you can do is to demonstrate that you that you have the right skills. And you do that by doing the research and providing specific tangible examples of what you've done in a previous position that will be relevant to the job you're applying for. That's really all you can do. The rest is, as I said, completely beyond your control. So... During an interview, what's a, a good way to provide a tangible example of something you've done in the past? Okay, so there is a format called STAR, which stands for Situation, Task, Action, Result, um, which is a really good structure to provide examples of what you've done. So it's basically when, whenever you ask the competency-based question, so, you know, tell me of a time when, or give me an example of a situation when. So, I mean, it could be a question like, you know, give me an example of when you've improved the forecasting process, or... Tell me example, you know, tell me about the situation when you work with some, you know, with a difficult colleague or give me an example when you manage someone who was difficult. You would use a format called STAR, called STAR which stands for Situation, Task, Action, Results. So basically you describe the situation you are in or the task you had to accomplish. And then um, you talk about your specific actions of what you've done and then you talk about the result. And the more specific or tangible the result, the better. So if you've done something that saved time or money, mention that, you know, if you've improved the procedure and that saved, I don't know, three days out of every week, you know, or like try to quantify examples as much as you can. That's probably the biggest mistakes. Like when I see resumes and when I interview candidates, a lot of the time they just talk about what they've done, but not so much about what they've achieved. So you really want to focus on like, you know, how did you really impact the organization? What have you really achieved? You know, many resumes are just really duty oriented. People mention what they've done and especially, you know, it's really competitive these days. So I'll give you an example. Last year, I was recruiting for a finance director. and We've received 167 applications. Sorry, 176 applications. Wow. Um, and that was just directly through Expedia's website. That didn't include people that I have contacted myself directly via you know, LinkedIn and reaching out to people directly. And honestly, out of these 176 people, half of them could probably do the job. But, you know, you can't interview 70, like you can't interview 80 people or whatever or, or 90 people. So you really focus on people with best experience, most relevant experience, most relevant to the job. So like we were looking for e-commerce experience. And guess how many people who had e-commerce experience out of those who've applied? Maybe three, you know? So that's what I mean. Like people just apply for jobs without tailoring the CVs to specific positions. So it's, it's really important that when you have experience they're looking for, that, that it's really visible on page one of your CV, on, on your resume, and also that you have those specific examples. Yeah, I agree. Especially if you can put in dollars of savings yeah. or percentage of time saved or yeah. anything like that, especially that's one of the big tips I give people when I'm telling them how to fix their resume. Especially like in a finance position, like, like let's say finance manager, they will be improving maybe the forecasting or the budgeting process. But how have you improved that? Like what was the situation before? You know, how bad was it? Really paint the picture of what the problem was, like how was it impacting the organization? Then what processes, what systems do you put in place to improve the situation? And then what was the result? Exactly. For for instance, in one of my roles, it was uh, 
I could have just written down, we implemented new, I don't know, I think it was a business information system. But that doesn't really tell them a whole lot about what I did or how that helped. So it's more of manage team of five to implement business information system that improve forecasting accuracy by 10%, or so something like that. Exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about. Absolutely. It's very, very important because like, imagine like, how are you going to make yourself stand out? Imagine there are just 20 people applying and you know there are more, but how are you going to make yourself stand out? Obviously working, you know, having experience, having a stable career history and you know, having some good brands on your resume, yes, that will help. But at the same time, you still need to be able to make yourself stand out. So how did you make your impact? And it's really easy to explain that when you have some numbers. So on the topic of standing out, I think a lot of people might be tempted to embellish a little bit on their resume in order to make themselves look a little better. What is your recommendation on that? Oh, no, I, mean, I wouldn't recommend that. You know, it's quite easy to, to um, like these days, a lot of companies are doing background checks. Um, and even in the interview process, you really need to be able to talk in detail about everything that you put on your resume. So I've had candidates, it, it obviously happens all the time, either myself or like I've heard from the hiring managers that you ask them, you ask the candidate about something that they've done. Um, you've asked them about something that they've done and it's actually quite clear that they haven't really done that to enough extent. Like they, you know, what they put on the resume, it's not necessarily... It's not, it's not necessarily lying, but, you know, maybe they've done something once and we're looking for an expert. Then, you know, and that comes out through, that comes out in an interview process. Like you want to show your, yourself in the best possible light. But I wouldn't do it by lying. Absolutely not. Whether it's in magazines, your favorite morning show or on the Internet, there's a lot of bad resume and interviewing advice out there. So I asked Margaret to share the biggest myths and misconceptions that she sees keeping qualified candidates from getting the job. So for the resume or the interview process as a whole, what are some common myths that you think people have? I don't know, they've seen it on a blog or they're reading it online somewhere. There's a lot of bad information out there. So what are some some myths that you hear a lot that you'd like to dispel today? Okay, so I think one may be that the, the most qualified person gets the job. I mean, that should be the case, not always the case. You know, it's um, like interviewers are looking for someone who can do the job, fit in the culture and do not cause trouble. So if you can demonstrate that, hopefully you, you will get the job. But um, sometimes, you know, you, you, can, you can have fantastic experience, but then maybe during the interview process, you will come across as someone who's really difficult to manage or difficult to get along. After that, quite a few times, actually, I've seen that the candidate had really good experience, pretty good answers, but at the same time, it was quite clear that they maybe would be quite difficult to manage or difficult to get along, and they just didn't get the job. So it's quite often, you know, the applicant who comes recommended from an inside source or a personal connection that, that maybe will get the job, not, not always the most accomplished, um, accomplished candidate. So, yeah, it, it's not just about your ability to do the, to the job. It's also like, are you going to get along with others, you know? Would you be easy to work with? So that's definitely one. I think, you know, another one um, potentially that... <sighs> Sometimes the interviewers aren't prepared, and I'm sure you've had that experience. Like you imagine that they've read your CV and they pretty much know your, know your resume by heart. Not the case. You know, they might have just run out of another meeting. Maybe they just glanced at your resume last week. I mean, it shouldn't really happen, but it happens. Especially when there's multiple managers in a department. Sometimes somebody's out sick and they just get last minute like, hey, we need somebody to talk to this guy for 30 minutes to keep him busy. Prepare for an interview by identifying the problems hinted at in the job ad and you know if there is no job description like research the company and industry and then prepare examples of how you will solve them or give them some examples of how you solve similar problems in a previous job using that style format i've mentioned before so um so again you would just prepare stories of how you solve the similar problem um so that that would be one um and similar to that you know like many interviewers 
have never had any interview training. So they ask you these stupid questions like, tell me about yourself, you know, which is just so generic, you know, instead of asking you for some specific example. So again, in, in, in such a situation, again, prepare several effective like soundbites that highlight your past successes and, and your skills. You, you don't need to be too detailed, but you just want something catchy and succinct and that, that's just easy to remember. Just the more examples of what you've achieved, you can provide the better. And just to clarify, even if they are asking stupid questions, you need to have an answer, right? Yeah, I mean, you probably do. I mean, it depends what, you know, like a lot of interviews start with telling me about yourself. I mean, I don't like this question personally, because I think it's like a lazy interviewer question. But at the same time, you absolutely do need to have a good answer prepared, because a lot of interviews start that way. But at the same time, you know, if you go to a company and they're just asking you like these really silly questions, but you even want to work there, you know, maybe not. <laughs> good point. It's also, it's, it's a two-way street. It's also, as an applicant, it's also for you to evaluate, do you actually want to work there? It's not just them interrogating you. You also need to make sure it's the right organization for you. And do you have any questions you recommend candidates ask during the interview to find out if it is actually a place they want to work? Yes, ask the so many questions. It's a very good question. Um, there's a lot of questions you can ask to, to find out. I mean, sometimes you'll get an opportunity to ask questions throughout the interview. Sometimes you will get an opportunity to ask questions at the end. So in terms of like the company culture, you can actually ask um, you know, what's, I mean, you can just ask, what's the company culture? What is it like to work here? Um, you can even ask, you know, what, what is it that you like about working for the organization? What are the main challenges? You know, what like the short-term or long-term challenges? So these are the questions you can find out. You can ask what happened to the previous person in the position. Ooh, I like that one. Is it a new job? Is it a replacement? You, you can absolutely ask, you know, if the person got promoted, great. You know, that's obviously a, a, a chance for you to do the same. But, you know, if they, <laughs> if you're like the fifth person be, be, being interviewed for the position because like the four previous people have left, you know, that's obviously not a very good sign. Not that they will tell you that, but you still might want to find out like who did the job before, what happened to them, why are they looking, you know, now. Um, you can also ask about expectations, like what are the priorities of the job? So that's not so much about the company culture, but it will still give you some more information about their expectations and how realistic these expectations are as well. So I was watching your your free interview course. Uh, so thank you for that. By the way, I found that on your website uh, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes so everybody can hop over and sign up for that, too. And you mentioned something that jumped out to me and it was that you need to show enthusiasm during the interview. And as a kind of natural introverted person, it's not my default mode to be out and uh, be kind of all bubbly and smiling and glad handing. And I just want to know, what is your best recommendation for coming off authentic, but also enthusiastic? Okay. It's a great, great question. Um, I think it's extremely important to show some enthusiasm during the interview, but it doesn't mean that you have to be like, obviously, if you're an accountant or a finance person, you're not going to have the same personality as a sales director, right? It's just a completely different job that requires completely different traits. So it's not about being like a, you know, too, too energetic and jump, jumping up and down. But at the same time, you know, unless there are so many people who just kind of like look bored in an interview, like if you're interested in a job, like you need to tell them. Honestly, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, in fact, I remember a situation when there were three candidates in the final interview stage and the one who got the job was actually the least experienced one, but she was the most enthusiastic out of, out of the three candidates. So like think of, you know, what's your why? Like why does this job really interest you? What is it about the company that appeals to you? And you don't need to be like super energetic, but at the same time, even like, how would you be talking to a friend about something you're really, really excited about? You know, and that's the tone of voice you should be using. So just think of a few reasons why you're really interested in the company. Maybe just like modulate your tone of voice a bit as well. Like don't be really monotonous. So I literally had candidates saying, oh, I'm really interested in this job, like in that tone of voice. Like you, you do need to be able to show some enthusiasm, but just think of 
you know, how would you be talking to a friend about something you're excited about? And that's the kind of tone of voice that you should be using. And do you recommend actually flat out saying, hey, I'm very interested in this job for X, Y, and Z reasons, or just keep it on your head? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even if they don't ask you the question, I will tell them. Yeah, definitely. I think that comes back to uh, the fit we were talking about earlier. People are more likely to want you around if they know you're excited and yeah. really want to be there. So. Yeah, definitely. Why would you want to work with someone who just doesn't seem at all interested in a job? Like, you know, you don't want someone who's just interested in any job because they're unemployed. You want someone who will actually enjoy that. You want someone that you will actually enjoy working with as well. So, Sometimes the best way to learn is to hear stories about what not to do. Margaret shared some of the things that great candidates have in common. And she has a few horror stories from interviews where the candidate definitely didn't get the job. Pay attention. Make sure you don't make the same mistakes that these guys made. Do you have any good stories, or I guess we've kind of covered a few of them, but that exemplify maybe a typical really good candidate or a really bad candidate that you could walk us through? Um, yeah. <laughs> How much time have we got? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, some examples. I mean, you know, great candidates typically, they, they would have done a lot of research into the company, like they would have prepared relevant examples. It's obviously someone who's very enthusiastic about the company who you can really tell they're interested in the company. They have put in a lot of thought into why, why like where they want their career to go, why they're interested in this specific job, why in this specific company. Um, you know, again, they would have done, as, as I mentioned before, you know, I've had this situation when there are three people on the final interview stage. The one who got the job was actually the most enthusiastic one. I had another situation when, again, we had two candidates on interview for a senior position. And again, they both were really, like, really strong candidates, really strong example. But the one who got the job was just, again, really enthusiastic and really well prepared. So um, it's very, very important that you do that. Um, in terms of bad candidates, oh, there, there are so many. I mean, I, I, you know, I've had people who, like, they've done no research on the company whatsoever. Like, they pretty much... Yeah, they just they don't even know what the company does or they just have like a two minute look at the website, but they're not really that interested. You can tell um, some of them. I don't even think they read the job description because they will send you a cover letter. Well, I'll give you an example. OK, so I'm, I'm looking for an account management intern right now, um, which is basically a role within digital marketing. And basically p people who are applying, they think it's a role in accounting. Because they clearly they haven't read the job description. So I've already had a few people. I've already had a few people saying, Oh, I'm really interested in finance and investments. This job has nothing to do with that. Okay. It's a role within account management team within digital marketing companies. Like I'm I'm not actually sure what they think. They, they, whether they read the job description or whether they just, just apply for anything that they think looks relevant. So yeah, they, they sent, you know, I've, I've, people sent cover letters that they still haven't changed the name of the previous company they've applied to. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like they mentioned, they have really good attention to detail and they have spelling mistakes on the resume. Uh, being really negative about the company or a previous boss, that's definitely a no-no. I've had candidates um, at the interview who are just like really sl slugging off their, their boss or the team. I'm like, my God, like, why would you do that? You know, like, are you going to do the same to us? There was another quite funny situation recently when the candidate, he was doing really well. Like the, all the interviews, the presentation went really well. And then there was an, one final interview with um, what we call a bar raiser interview. It's this concept taken from Amazon where um, the interview is really a competency-based interview focused on values and competencies. And like, is this person going to be better than, say, you know, 60% of people doing the same job within a company? And that's not really about the skills. It's more like, are you going to be the right fit for the business? Do you have the same values, et cetera, et cetera. So because the feedback was so positive, um, the first, the, the, the interview asked the question like, you know, tell me about some failures or tell me about the failure. 
So instead of giving just one example of something that didn't work, the candidate just went on and on for about 20 minutes. But the examples he gave, that was just, I just wish I, I mean, I've, I've witnessed that. I've had the interview feedback. So he basically did quite a lot of unethical, unethical, unethical things. Like, for example, he was once working for this company and I think he was just selling some non-existing ad space or then I think he sold so much. He was selling some hip replacements and I think he sold that wrong size or something like that. And and then he, it was just, it was just oh. so bad. It was just so bad. And then he continued for a few months. So instead of like leaving immediately knowing what the company was like, he actually continued for quite a few months because apparently, you know, he, he needed the money, but it was just like, yeah, the, just the lack of integrity was quite apparent. He even said to me during the interview, well, I lied to my boss about, so he basically, instead of just taking a day off, you know, you're entitled to have a day off to come in from, you know, to do whatever. He actually said, oh, I actually lied to my boss to, you know, to be able to come here today. Like, why would you even say that? Yes, yeah, so that was the most recent, um, that was the most recent example. All right. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, um, I had another one when a candidate, um, mentioned I was interviewing a candidate and he actually he suggested himself that I will I speak to the person that we hired a month earlier because they used to work together and he probably thought I wouldn't do that he just thought okay well I'm sure she won't do that so anyway I finished the call I called this other guy that he said they used to work together he can provide reference and the guy just like went silent he just said I can't believe he asked you to speak to me he had some mental health problems I fired him (laughs) So, so um, yeah, there's just a lot, a lot of examples of bad candidates. Unfortunately, there's probably more of those than uh, the great candidates, yeah. but that's what makes the great candidates stand out, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, honestly, it's not very difficult to stand out. Like, even when I mentioned you get these 176 uh, applications or whatever, it's actually quite easy to see, like, a really good resume that's specifically tailored to the position, that you really emphasize, you use the right keywords, you know, you, ha- you it's really achievements-oriented. Um, it's actually not that difficult to make yourself stand out. All right. Well, we're coming up on time here, and I want to make sure we don't run over. But the last thing I want to know is, where's the best place for people to find you online if they want to learn more about interviewing or even connect with you about possibly doing some coaching? Oh, sure. Um, so my website is www.interview-coach.co.uk. So yeah, interview-coach.co.uk. Um, I have a lot of free resources on my website, including free e-course about how to win at job interviews. Um, I have a free video course. Um, again, I think that's the one you referred to earlier. Um, and that's at youarehiredvideocourse.com. Um, but that, the link is also on my website. So there's a lot Wonderful. of free resources for people interested in improving their skills. Awesome. Well, we include links to all of that in the show notes for today's show. All right, Margaret, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks again to Margaret for coming on the show. If you want to learn more about how to interview, Margaret has some great resources to get you started. You can find links to her site and everything else we just talked about in the show notes for this episode at abacusshow.com slash seven. Each episode, I like to share a little tip or tidbit that, while probably not life-changing, will hopefully help you out in some small way. This is Coaching Notes. Earlier in this episode, you learned some great tips to help you ace your next interview. But if you're looking for a job, there's something you need to do before you can even get the interview. That's right, you'll need a great resume to get your foot in the door. The good news is that crafting a great resume is easier than you think. The bad news is there's so much awful advice out there in magazines and online that it's hard to know where to start. And that's why I've created the Accounting Resume Myths course. 
This free course gives you the basics of writing an accounting resume and busts some of the biggest resume myths you'll come across. And it's free for Abacus listeners. Enroll today by visiting cpatalent.com slash courses. And that's your coaching note. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, it's fast and easy to click on that five-star rating in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. And don't forget, you can get links and show notes for everything we covered today or check out all of our past episodes by visiting abacusshow.com. See you next time.